Hello, everybody, and welcome to another of our special 2021 Olympic preview shows. I'm Rebecca Caro, and this is part of the Rowing Chat podcast. Today, I'm delighted to announce that we're going to be talking about the US rowing team, specifically the women's crews, with my two lovely guests, Lindsay Shoup and Jen Forbes. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Let's dive right on in. So you guys are going to help guide us through an historic team. They're pretty special. They've qualified for every single women's event. Wow. This uh, the United States, if you don't know this at this point, is the only country that has done that, that has qualified every seat available for women. And coming up into the first games where there's gender equity, I mean, what a great time to do it. You know, it's a really special time for women's athletics, uh, certainly for rowing, since we're here talking about rowing. <laughs> you must be so proud and, and a brilliant achievement, and particularly that it's women who are leading the charge. And just yeah. just for comparison for our for our listeners, we just we know that the men have qualified two crews, an eight and a four, correct? Mm -hmm. So big contrast. Now, Jen, you've sadly not made the team this year, but you are our inside knowledgeable expert. Kick us off. What's happening in the lightweight women's double? Uh, well, Molly Ruckford and Michelle Sexer are our lightweight women's double this year. Um, they qualified the boat in uh, with I forget what month it was. It was it was mm -hmm. a long time ago. It's long season of racing. Maybe it was February at Olympic Trials One. Um, they are an incredible crew. Uh, definitely crew to watch at the Olympics this year. Um, just a phenomenal set of racers. Um, Michelle has been racing for a really long time and I'm so, so proud of her to see that she's finally made it to the Olympics. Um, Molly, I just met her last year for the first time and had the pleasure of racing against her. Um, and she's, they're both extremely hard workers. Um, so I think another thing to note is that they raced at um, Olympic trials too against all of the, um, the open weight women's crews. So the, they actually did extremely well there. So, um, you know, they're having fun with it. Yeah, they've been showing some fantastic GMTS, like percent of the gold medal time standard. And so those are the, that's kind of all we really have to go on with these guys because they are a new combination. They haven't been rowing together. They weren't rowing together back in 2018, 2019, you know, uh, back when worlds and things were having. So we have this gap in time and they've found speed during that gap in time. I think um, something that we talked a little bit about ahead of this is that they also seem to be really having fun with it. And when you know, the pressure comes off that you've made the boat, first of all, through trials, and then you've qualified the event through the Lucerne Regatta back in May, you know, that takes the pressure off. And when you see those little successes, that's helping them build their confidence along the way toward these games. And that also gives them a little race experience at a very high level, which, you know, like Jen, like you mentioned, jumping in with the open weight double racing, that is again, going up against some major competition, even though it was on, you know, domestic soil, they have another chance to go to the line and find more speed. Now the women's single, Cara Cola, she's a known quantity, 
but she also had to win at Olympic trials. How's she going? Uh, as far as I can tell, Kara is is quite fast and uh, she's an incredible athlete. Uh, she qualified again at the Olympic trials one um, along with the lightweight women's double. Um, and she's just been training away ever since then. Again, she's, unless, you know, you're at practice every day, seeing the sort of numbers that they, they pull, it's, it's really difficult to say what the percentages are exactly, but um, she, she's a fast athlete. And I believe she just, she and a few other of the, of the crews we're about to mention meddled at um, the last, uh, Lindsay helped me out here with the, the last uh, event that we had. Uh, overseas. Um, I think it was a World Cup two, I want to say. So in, in uh, Lucerne. Yeah. So they went yeah. to Lucerne and did World yeah. Cup two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she's obviously an, an existing known quantity. She's a world previous world champion, World Cup winner. Yeah. And she she's was, she, she raced at the quad in 2016, uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2012. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. But multiple Olympian. Yes. Jevy Stone and Christy Wagner, your women's heavy double. Yeah. Jevy, also a really well-known quantity. Yeah. Late back into training, but now presumably a qualified doctor. How are they going? Yeah. So Jevy and Christy, again, are new combination. Um, so something I didn't mention for the lightweight women's double is that both the, the combination that qualified isn't in 2019 is not the combination that you're seeing now. Um, so Christine Cavallo and, um, and Michelle qualified the lightweight double, but as far as the women's double, um, that was qualified by Cicely Madden and Jevy in 2019. Um, but that combination is no longer together. So Jevy and, and um, Christy found each other probably about, I believe about five weeks before trials, I wanna say, um, up in Boston with the training group up there after trials. So Jevy, I think was going for the single, didn't make the single. Um, this is just sort of how it goes in the Olympic year, you know, anything can happen. And um, they found the combination worked. Uh, Christy was third at Olympic trials in the single. So Jevy and Christy sort of found some speed together and, you know, they made it, they manifest combination um, at Olympic trials too. So I think and Cicely uh, Madden. Sorry. No, I was yeah. gonna say with, with the with the women's double combination that ended up winning trials and then will ultimately be our Olympic double, you know, it was it was tight racing in the final for the women's double. I mean Ellen Tomek and Meg O'Leary who had raced that boat together at the last games, you know, uh, they were in there as well. And so these guys like they you can see where the experience of having gone to the games before helps you know um jebby and christy they gained speed as they went through the final of that race where they weren't in the lead immediately and then they picked up as they went and then as you're watching it you can just see that, that is where a lot of experience really pays off now because again they're another new combination we have no idea how much speed they can continue to gain for the next month some crews get together in a short period of time and then they that's their max speed that's where they are some crews just continue to get faster and faster and faster. And I think um, with Jevy, you know, having taken some time with school and not necessarily being completely immersed in nothing but training for the last 12 years, you know, um, this year gave her a little more time to get more fit too, you know? And if, 
for those athletes with the year that we've had with the delay, there are athletes that needed more time to get more fit. There are athletes that needed time to come off of injury, you know, so that they're more prepared now. And there are athletes who might've done the opposite thing where they were ready last year and then maybe it was just too much time. So, and I think also for those that, um, you know, stayed in it, it's like, I've come all this way. Like I am in this, you know, there's no question at this point that I am in this. And then when you do that and you have the additional time, you have more times to say, yeah, I'm in this. When trials come, when the games come, you know, you're even more mentally prepared than you possibly were before. Now, you've also got a women's quad, which includes three of the ladies you've already mentioned, Ellen, Meg and Cicely, joined by Ailey Rusher. Yeah, Ailey Rusher is the fourth person in that boat. And um, I will say that, again, with Meg and Ellen racing in the quad, um, they didn't want to be have to do that. Uh, let's just say that. They didn't want to have to go to quad camp. Um, and, you know that's okay. I mean, they, they, I know that they had a hard time in the beginning, just like dealing with not having the double, um, to, as their folks, they've been so committed to that, that lineup and they were the 2016 double and they work incredibly well together and they're, they have such a strong partnership. Um, and it's really cool to see them work together. And that was something I felt really, um, really fortunate to have seen during during quad selection. Um, what I will say is that um, quad camp, the camp boats, it's it's a totally different system than um, than the trial system. So um, with trials, for, for those of you that don't know, trials is you race, and then the winner of that race at the end of the week uh, is, is your boat. Um, but with the camp system, there's, um, it's a little bit less straightforward. So you, you race different lineups and you, you test different, you know, different combinations. And the goal really is to find, um, the fastest percentage and the fastest lineup. Um, and so that, that boat is chosen by coaches and it's, you know, feedback is given by athletes and that's, that's, uh, ultimately how the boat is chosen. There's no one race or no one week that like decides who's going to be in the boat. And that's actually how, um, how the women's four and the women's eight is chosen as well. Uh, the women's pair is a trials boat and you'll get to those later. But um, so, so the selection process, it's sort of, it's sort of a unique, uh, it's sort of unique in that way. Um, but, you know, everybody's dealing with, with different, different tweaks, different quirks um, at this point in the year, but Allie, so Allie um, is part of that Boston, Boston rowing group. Um, she was, she competed at trials one as well. Um, she was in the B final, um, of that race. Cicely was in the B final of that race. Um, and then Allie and Allie and Cicely both also raced at doubles trials as well. And so all of us got an invitation to go to quad camp based on our results at doubles trials and our progression through singles and doubles trials. Um, and then you know, we went through selection together with, with, um, there were 10 total athletes that went through that process, um, that, you know, ultimately went down to four and, um, you know, so I, I believe that the lineup that they chose is going to be a fast lineup. Um, that's the boat that I would say I have the most intimate knowledge of because I've been 
in it the most. Um, but again, like Lindsay was saying, it's hard to say exactly what top speed and what ultimate speed is going to be, you know, in Tokyo, because it could be faster. It could be the same. It could be hopefully not slower, but you never know. Like you, you always hope that it's going to be fast and you're going to win a gold medal. Like that's, that's the goal. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think all of the crews that we just talked about are fast and um, the women's women's sculling in the United States is uh, is a force to be reckoned with. And I think that's not necessarily something that we've always been able to say. Um, I across, agree. Across I think this is, yeah. So this is something I, that's really new. I think the rest of the world definitely needs to sit up and take notice because it's you've had single scholars frequently, but yeah. making a crew boat out of single scholars isn't always right. an easy pathway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kind of a, a fun pattern to see here is if you think back to Michelle Barrett, she was bow seed in the 04 quad, and then she ended up, you know, getting a silver medal in the single, move forward, Jebby with the silver, you know, you have Kara Kohler popping out of the quad, hopping in the single. There are opportunities here, yeah. you know, and of course, at the games, you could literally have a dozen crews be a second or two apart, you know, and it can, they can be tiny margins. I mean, if you think back to the women's single has gone to a dead heat in the past, I mean, you have to go back several games for that, but crazier things have happened, you know, so these tiny little hairs of speed, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not, be, you don't, you, we won't see massive gaps. There, there will be, Hopefully, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jen, that there is good speed. There's yeah. solid speed in all of these crews. And I think with the lack of international racing over the last year and a half, we don't have a lot of information, of, you know, cross comparison because it's an outdoor sport. You can't go, well, that speed and that speed. It's, it's completely different. It has to be whatever in the same race on the same day, you know, in the same event to really be able to compare it. But isn't that but, so exciting? exciting and fun? <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's the exciting part. It, it makes it's reminiscent of collegiate rowing, at least in the for me in the United States. I cannot speak for international racing collegiately, but um, that was not my experience. But racing against crews for the that you've never seen before, there's just like this exhilarating feeling of let's just go, put our blades in the water, and and pull really freaking hard like and have a great time like let's use all of all of this training all of this trust that we've built in each other you know and a lot of these women uh are probably feeling like so and i hope they are if they're not <laughs> feeling so empowered mm -hmm. by the fact that they were able they had the the opportunity and they were able to continue training through this year mm -hmm. and i i want to highlight like there were many that were unable to and it's not their fault and it's like it's not for the lack of trying um and so the opportunity just wasn't there for them um so i think that it's important to note that um but the women that were able to stay in it and had the opportunity and and fought through whatever it was that they fought through and still were able to like make this happen um it's incredible and everybody like internationally i think is feeling this it's something that just popped into my mind as I'm looking at the list of names and thinking about the people um, is that there is more mixing of 
experience in novice, like experience in young blood here in all of these boats. Yeah. There are people that have been to multiple Olympic games and there are people that this might be their, this will certainly be their first Olympic games, but also their first or possibly second appearance internationally, you know? So, so it's nice to see that some of these athletes are most likely going to be retiring after this games, you know, like that is where they are. That's what they've decided to do, but that they're also sharing what they have, their knowledge with potentially this new generation that will only help to continue to build it for the future, which is just a really beautiful thing to watch. I mean, um, if we go back to talking about the quad, you know, Mega Leary was in a bike accident earlier this year. Like, well, if you can come back, you're back from that. You are ready to go. You are in this boat. You are going fast. You're thinking it might be your last, you know, your your second games, your last games, and you're ready for other things. You'd be super hungry by the time you show up at that, you know, starting line. And you're sharing that energy. I know I've raced with athletes that knew they were going to retire. And there's just something really beautiful and special about like sharing that experience with them. It just connects you all the more. Yeah. Let's move on to the sweep cruise. Uh, <laughs> the women's pair was a non-camp boat, so they had to qualify. We've got Megan and Tracy. <laughs> were they the second qualification trials? They were. They were at the uh, trials three. So these two have raced together internationally before. They have been our fastest pair in the past. But the women that qualified, so Christine O'Brien was actually in that pair back in twenty. It was the, I believe it was the first book that I, they actually qualified last year, but then ultimately, obviously, it didn't race. Uh, then, based on their decision, based on racing, based on whatever the two of them wanted to do, uh, between uh, then they decided ultimately not to race together. So then that brings you to a trials three, and there were four, four boats that raced there at that trials three. The winner of that, because the women's pair was already qualified, then ends up as our pair. Um, and it's and it's a great time if you go there and you win that race and they are they were very fast at that trials you know they have experience together um they hadn't rode together necessarily a ton i don't know what the daily rotation was because you know within the training camp you're you're rowing pairs a lot you know and you're trading partners mm -hmm. a lot but as the game's near you look at the historic performance of athletes and you start i that this is what happened in, in my previous experience going through it was you look at the historic performance of the fastest pairs that you've produced over the recent history, and then you have them race each other. And then you see who is kind of coming down the pipe the fastest, and then they go to trials and see if they really are the fastest. Yeah, and what I, so, I don't know a ton, sorry for, for interrupting, what I what I do know about um, Tracy and, uh, and Megan is that they had, I think, at a certain point decided that they, they'd taken themselves out of selection um, for the eight and the four. So they had made a decision at a certain point to prioritize the pair. Um, so they, they were just training. I don't remember at what point, how many weeks before Olympic trials three it was for them, but um, I think that's sort of an exciting uh, commitment to make with, with a pair partner. And you know, you're like, they think they both knew that, you know, this is, maybe question mark the last one um they knew that they're fast um and you know i think they were both really excited to race with each other i don't really know much more than that but no worries now we've got the women's eight and the women's four which is the priority crew that i don't know <laughs> honestly that i don't know i go ahead Jen. 
my sense is that it's the eight um, from what I've seen um, as far as how selection was going um, while I was at quad camp. Um, so I would, I would say with most, with most amount of certainty, I can possibly say it's the eight. There are, I mean, there are a couple of factors that come into play here. You know, one of the things about the United States women qualifying all of these events, um, we are one of the largest federations. So we have more people to possibly fill more seats, you know, and to our benefit would be to prioritize, prioritize the eight because we can field a large boat. And with the NCAA system, uh, we have a lot of experience in that event. You know, the NCAA system for women's rowing really is the highly competitive racing. You know, it, it draws international athletes, the percentage of international athletes in top boats at the NCAA level has increased over the years. So the NCAA system benefits international racing. It makes growing more interesting in America, which is also quite helpful. Um, but yeah, like a smaller country, they could field a four, but possibly not an eight. And you only have to have four super fast athletes to be very, very fast in that four. And if we're looking at, you know, if you think about the men's four, the men's four is extremely competitive event. And that's what the women's four can stand to be you know, for the and it, women. And it's got there in two years. I mean, it's you know, it's only in the last couple of years that, that the event has been on the Olympic calendar and on the World Champs calendar as a serious Olympic event. And so, you know, we have seen some crews come through. I know that the first US four, which had um, Karen Davies was in it and wasn't as successful as they'd hoped, you know, and clearly time has been on its side because they've been able to build on that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, gosh, I, I, to speak from my experience, apart from the fact that we're like, these are all very exciting crews because really, I do believe that every single one is a metal contender. I, I actually, I get to do the, I get to be the rowing analyst for NBC this year and I can't wait to watch these races happen and talk about them with, you know, all of the research and all of the information under my belt by the time that we arrived at that. But, before I started, so back, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, it wasn't a standard thing for American women to be able to hop into six pairs and race each other down a race course and go straight, you know, like it, it wasn't as common for us all to just say, yeah, I can row a single, yeah, I can row a pair. And I'm currently right now working with, you know, one of the Olympic uh, development program camps and to see the number of young athletes, male and female, that are already in singles and already in pairs, you know, that's really promising for the future of American rowing. You know, it's better for you physically. It's going to teach you more things about speed and how and boat feel from a young age. You know, I, I think I can't put words in everyone else's mouth, but we've watched all of these very these countries that have long histories of rowing row small boats for a long time, and we've been talking about rowing small boats for a long time. And it's paying, it's paying off, you know, it, it is helping, you know, so. It's it is definitely is, and you can really see it. You can see it across the sculling and the sweep squad. And, um, you know, as, as far as world rowing and competitive top level racing goes, I can only applaud what's happening because everyone wants the fastest crew to win, but everyone wants them to have a really, really good race getting there. No one wants an easy win and you certainly never get easy wins at the Olympics. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are just totally adding to the sum of 
excitement that's coming over our horizons. Yeah. Our coach said to us at one point in time, he said, you know, when it comes to the Olympic Games, you have to be good enough to win to come away with a medal at all. You know, that's just the nature of the games. I mean, you potentially you have to be good enough to, to win to make it into the A final these days, you know, and that I, it's amazing to see that where the gaps are getting smaller and the, you know, there are more and more new crews too showing up in some of the, some of the A finals for these events. It's going to be a colossally exciting games. Lindsay, Jen, thank you both so much for coming on and giving us your insight into the US women's squad. Um, obviously, I wish them all the best of luck. And uh, we hope that the expertise that you get to share on NBC is, uh, is welcomed by them. And I shall look forward to hearing what you have to say. <laughs> Hopefully, it's very expert. <laughs> You can just say you practiced on rowing chat and now, you know, you've got it nailed. Yes. <laughs> well, so this so has been, us. yeah. This has been the Olympic preview from rowing chat and I'll have more to bring you later on in the week. Till next time.